everybody, Justin Michael Williams here, and I'm so honored and excited to be here with Darnell Moore. Now, if you guys don't know about Darnell, um, you need to know that, first of all, he's from Camden, New Jersey, for all the East Coast people. He also just finished his first book, yep. which is coming out in May of 2018. And Darnell is literally one of the most impressive people that I know. He's written for every magazine that you can think of an <laughs> online publication, Ebony, Huffington Post. And not only that, he's the editor-at-large for Cassius, which is a part of the largest black-owned media company. So Darnell's no joke, and um, I just want to tell you guys the reason why it's so special to me that he's here is I've been following Darnell's work for quite some time, and um, one of the things that Darnell really stands for and the reason why he's here to talk to us today is to talk about the fact that to see transformation and change in the world, we really have to start within ourselves. Mm. And I think growing up, one of the things that I had always been kind of afraid of until I got a little older was things like therapy or looking inward and self-work and just now getting to this point in the last few years of understanding that really turning our energy inside and that everything that's happening in the world is kind of a reflection you know of us so really honored to have Darnell here to talk to us today so thank you so much for thank coming. Thank you for having me here I'm excited yeah. honored Nervous. Nervous, honored, all those things. All those things. So we're going to just keep it really real with you guys today. I want to jump sure. right in and um, ask Darnell the first question, which is basically, why did you decide to focus your life towards really the advancement of black people and colored people and you know oppressed people to help us move forward? What started that for you? So um, I'm glad that you mentioned where I'm from. I grew up in Camden, New Jersey. For those who don't know, it is um, in southern New Jersey, right across from Philadelphia, directly across from Philadelphia, in a time in the 80s when Camden was named the most um, economically devastated and one of the most violent cities in the country. Oh. It is um, mostly black and or Latino. Um, and it was represented in media as like that hood place, as a ghetto. And it had its problems, but part of the reason why Camden is a ghetto is because of the many sort of um, forces that made it so. Um, and we, that's, that requires a long conversation. Right. But in short, growing up, having watched so many forms of like violence deaden people in my community, I'm talking about like intercommunal violence, like gun violence, which is the result of so many things, and drugs, and the crack, um, you know, the, this is when like the crack epidemic was tearing our communities up. Um, growing up in a family who didn't have access to a lot of wealth, uh, my parents were... My dad was 15. My mom was 16 when I was born. Wow, okay. Dad stopped school in eighth grade. Mom had to stop in 10th grade to take care of me, uh, which made they had to rely on government support in order to raise us. Um, inside of the home was, you know, in, in, intimate partner violence. So I can go on and on, but from a very early age, I saw what the worst of things can be. Mm. Um when people are disenfranchised. Um, and I always had a desire, even if I didn't know what that would look like in um, enabling or at least participating in, 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 a, in projects that help people to live more, more justly, to help people to live, period. Mm. Um, so for me, it's like, it's very personal. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, I think like I had a... One of the first times I ever wrote anything that had, I think, any like type of social impact, I was in eighth grade at Morgan Village Middle School, and I was in a um, poetry contest in the city's citywide poetry contest, and I wrote some some poem 
And it was about black rage. Okay. I had no... How old did you say you were? Like 14. Okay. I swear to you, I don't know. I don't remember the words. I don't know exactly what prompted that besides the fact that I was really tired of reading in a newspaper um, stories about my city being like caricatured as like some hood space and the people in it as that. Right. And I won the poetry contest for the city. Yes. Um, all that... So, like, I... I uh, yeah, like so. so this when, just started real. When this I, was one of the like, first. But, just... but, but for many of us, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Right? For so many of us, like it, it doesn't take, um, you know, events, the big events outside of our own lived experiences to to open our eyes to injustice. Right. Right. I mean, you know, like when you don't have food to eat, or you know that your mom. When I looked at my mom's check pay stubs and knowing that she was making something like three dollars and seventy five cent an hour back then. And here she's going off to work and coming home after having worked so hard with a check that's like three hundred dollars. Right. Like that does that doesn't require right. like theory or any sort of like massive um, problem outside of 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 myself to understand that something was wrong. Like right. I always had a sense that we everyone like we shouldn't be living like this. I, I went to a private school in ninth and tenth grade. When I would drive from my hood to the suburbs. The fact that things were so vastly different. Right. Like, I had one classmate whose family was in the newspaper because they were um, being, the family had some lawsuit around their, their golf club See, that they were selling. It's like, a whole nother world. I was like, what? It's what, a whole nother what, world. It's a million dollars. <laughs> right, you know? right. So, all that to say, like, it, it really was my context, my home, my family, the people around me was the grounds that helped me to understand um, that we all deserve better as black people. Yeah, that we don't just deserve better; we deserve to live right too. Um, and if, and the thing that I learned through my family, I come from a family who I don't care what you did. If you got on their nerves the day before, if you stole some shit, if um, you know you had gotten hooked on drugs and substances, they would never put anybody on the street. Right. Ever. It was like even if we all had to sleep in a small part of the floor, we would never dispose of each other. Right. And that really is a, po- a political lesson. It was a, the grounds of like my politics. Um, I don't believe, regardless of what one does, um, that we have to dispose of them. So, this is that's beautiful. So, I mean, what I love really about this and what you're saying is that this has come from literally the makings of who you are, oh, yeah. and the work that you're doing comes from not only a wealth of your own experience as a child. But now transforming that into adulthood to turn back and and serve. I mean, it's really powerful. And today, you know, I know I said one of the topics that we're going to discuss today is really about transformation. And why is this important? I think for everybody that's listening, like I know people hearing this, if this is you out there knowing that it's like, I don't want to do this kind of inner work. You know, I don't want to do that. Why We need to focus on what they're doing to us, you know. So what is that flip and why do you think it's important to people? Well, it's important because... You know, so I, one of the, the the most monumental things I've been able to to be part of over the last several years is the movement for Black Lives, which speaks. Um, it, you know, we use that term to sort of that encompasses all of these movement bodies that have been activated or reactivated, um, are newly activated over the last several years in response to various forms of state-sanctioned violence happening. Mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter, Global Network, of which I'm part. Um, BYP 100, Dream Defenders, um, Southerners on the Ground, and, and Malcolm X Grassroot Coalition. There's so, so many, many groups, groups. Yeah, so many um, groups. And I've been part of that that work. But what's interesting for me is while we 
Um, while so many folk in this moment, especially after this sort of, after 45 is elected as president, are now feeling like, I need to be woke. Well, there are folk for whom this is just now hitting them. Right. So many of us, we, we had, look, this shit isn't new. <laughs> right, um, right. But I always say we're, so many of us are able to articulate and, and name the things that, these sort of big processes that are out there that are impacting us, right? So I always say we know how to, um, to put name to those feet that are situated on our neck, mm-hmm. but we don't know how to and have reckoned with the fact that our feet are also situated on people's necks. That is so, hold on. I, I mean, but that that's the word. Like, I need I need you to say that <laughs> one more time, literally, because that is well. Like, that's so for the me, truth. I think that's yeah. the sort of radical work. The radical work is not. We have language. We can use terms like intersectionality. We can employ all these fancy terms. Yeah, um, we can talk about anti-blackness, white racial supremacy, sexism, patriarchy. All these terms. We can march and hold up Black Lives Matter signs um, and be that person who might, at that march, holding that Black Lives Matter sign, disrespect a woman, whether she's cisgender or transgender, touch her inappropriately. Um, We can still be in that march and hate the fuck out of the queer and trans people that's marching next to us. And and some might believe they're going to hell. We can do all of that and have all of these, um, those very systems that we're supposedly calling out, activated within ourselves. Right. That is to say, like, until we are able to sort of do these sort of inner... Um, rebel, to, to disrupt the the oppressions or those sort of forces within ourselves, it you might as well get up to protest. Right. You might as well sit down, right? right? Um, so if we can only name the feet that are situated on our necks but fail to name and recognize the ways our feet are situated on someone else's neck, we will never, ever get free. That is a line. Ever. That is a line. Ever. So I this think that's the true. work, right? That hit so, me so hard when you're saying that. I'm just I'm like, like... Well, this is know? like... This is the practice I try to live. Yeah. So I, I'm like, it isn't the... the So it's so hard sometimes to, to name oneself an activist or organizer. And I try not to do that, um, even though it happens sometimes. Um, because I really feel like it isn't about... The, the outward work of me being able to articulate all this shit and to have and, and to get up here and you know be in protest with my fist up. If I'm not living in my everyday life, if I'm on my way to a protest and never stop to look a black person in the face and speak to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Acknowledge that they even exist. But here I am in line, right? Radical as hell, up in the streets, then what's the point? Or if I am that white person or or non-black person our non uh, our non queer person who is organizing, say on behalf of anti racism, our straight person who's calling himself an ally and doing all, like, if you're not seeing how all these things are connected, if you're going to the pride parade and you think you got a rainbow flag up and that is your sign of progressivism, but you're racist as hell, right? You not like the integration is not there. So yeah, I, I need we got to do work on us. This is so powerful. We have to we have to realize how we're also situated in the matrix and undo it. Like we got to take our and see that our like our feet are on somebody's necks and take them shits off. Like, you know, that's the work. this is so powerful for me. Like as you're saying that, and I'm thinking, as I'm sure everybody else watching is thinking this too. I'm thinking of the feet that my neck. I mean, the feet, the necks that my feet are on right now. You know, and the places that I feel resistant to yeah. people or hesitant to people, and even. You know, I remember watching this video one day and um, it was talking about how, and I remember growing up like this, like, you know, I grew up in the hood, you know, and all that too. And 
no, we're not going to call it the hood, actually. But grew up, you know, oh, you in the area that they call the whatever. But grew up in this area where outside, if there were three white people standing on the on the side of my house, my mom wouldn't say anything. Hmm. If there were three black guys standing outside the house, my mom's like, "Who's outside? Hmm. What is that?" You know, and that fear that we even have of our own people of sometimes. So how are we really waking up? Yeah. Uh, so. One of the things that is really important to all of us around doing these interviews is really giving all of you watching tangible tips, like things that you can really implement into your real lives to make a change. Sure. And so I want to know, you know, what are your three? You got three for us? I think so. Okay, think cool. So, <laughs> so you know, Darnell's going to give us three tips that you guys can use to really activate your own inner transformation so that we can start to see the change that we want to see. Yeah, the first, I think, is um, really being committing ourselves to a practice of self-reflexivity. Okay. Um, that's a fancy way of saying, like, self-reflexive analysis or self-reflection is key. Um, and self-reflection requires our need to sit in discomfort, to sit in the possibility that we have shit within us. Um, we have ideas. We have practices. Um, we have ways of beings that absolutely run up against any idea of freedom or liberty that we might imagine. Mm. Um, so it means that I have to daily think about how the way the world reads me as a man um, or a certain type of man um, allows me, one, not only to get things like jobs or access to spaces, it actually allows me to walk down the street and live, literally without being touched um, in ways that, say, a femme-performing, um, cisgender, queer man will not have or the ways that a sister friend won't have. It, it means that um, because, you know, I done did things like went off to college and, and, and used all of these social privileges that I have to get access to spaces that I can't get into them spaces and forget where the hell I come from. Hey, this is so um, Or that if I move into the Bed-Stuy... Um, that if I'm going to critique and name gentrification like as a thing, that I need to also understand that like some of the white folk that I might get mad at when I'm walking down the down my street, I had a choice to live in this neighborhood, in a in a hood, um, in a place that was called a hood when right. I moved there, um, in ways that some of my some other black folk did not have a choice to. Right. Um, I have to reckon with my class politics. I have to reckon with the fact that um, the more money that I may be afforded. Um, puts me in a position to easily render anyone else economically disenfranchised. I'm, so see the work that I'm doing right now. Yeah. With my, I, it means that as a cisgender person, um, that my vision of, of liberty or my freedom dreams, as Robin Kelly, who's a historian, talks about, I often say some of our freedom dreams can be other people's nightmares mm -hmm. because they're so our imaginations are also hindered by the things that privileges us. Right. As a cisgender person... I'm often, I, I'm not, I, 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 my first, I wasn't socialized to think about the lives of transgender people first. Right. Well, I what do think you think is essential. So, so I guess that's the first thing. Like, is self -reflexive this is self-reflexive analysis. Self-reflexive analysis. I'm, and I'm trying to sort of model what, I'm, what I think is self-reflexive analysis. Well, okay, so I have a question about that. So what do you think about, uh, what I hear from a lot of people, and I remember I used to have this before, it was just like this fear of looking inward at yourself and thinking about things that have happened to you in your past mm -hmm. and letting that define you and control you. Like some of the things I hear from people so often is, 
I don't want to look inward. I don't want to do therapy. I don't want to do this stuff because I'm just trying to move forward. Sure. I'm not trying to look back, you know, or look inside. And some of that shit can be painful yeah, too. So can. what's your take on like on that piece of the puzzle? What's your answer to that? I mean, so, um, you know, one of the things I've done in my life, I've trained as a clinical counselor and um, I, it's crucial that we be okay to the extent that we can with traveling to the depths mm-hmm. of who we are. Um, so much of who we are and the ways we move in the world, the way we interact with one another, um, it comes from a lot of these subconscious things that we tr- we, we bring along, these baggages we, gra- we bring right. along with us. My relationship intimately with friends or lovers um, is so much shaped by the relationship I did or did not have with my dad or my mom or that person that hated me in fourth grade that I'm still carrying the energy from. Right. Um, or the way that I understand how, you know, like I, I remember for a long time, I um, was not attracted to femme men. Mm-hmm. And I had to like interrogate that. And part of that had to do with the way I was sort of like socialized into being a certain type of black boy. Like mm. the type, you know, when I cry, like stop crying. Um, like, and I took on, I, I sort of um, began to. Uh, model my 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 attraction was modeled after all of this shit I was told a man is supposed to be based on the stuff that people told you you were supposed to yeah. be yeah yeah that's so grand. like I had to go like ah it. like part of it and and when I wasn't that thing that I was supposed to be I was I was harangued and and um, and abused and assaulted for it right so I this is how it works right you begin to do to others what the system does to you mm. Mm. so I was only taken out. My frustration and disdain um, and deep angst on femme men because that's what the world was doing to me. Right. That's, that's it, you know. And I read this book recently um, by Robert Masters mm-hmm. called To Be a Man. And he talks about this a lot, talking about, you know, the bigger the light, the bigger the shadow. Sure. You know, and having to look in these shadow places because they're where they control us unconsciously which is super powerful. Sure. So, okay, thank you for hitting that point. I mean, I think it's one of the most important things that we all have to do. So, I mean, but the second is... Yeah, hit the second. The second is really quick. Study. Um, I think in, in times like this, where so many of us think we have new shit that we're saying, we come from a generation of black folk who have been saying some of the same things... For a long time. <laughs> time. Yeah. You know, like... Intersection, you know, Hillary Clinton used intersectionality without really, without people, and people started using that without acknowledging that this was a word, a theory that was developed by a black woman, mm. Kimberly Crenshaw in 1989. Before Kimberly Crenshaw was talking about intersectionality, the Kabahi River Collective, Barbara Smith, um, and, and the rest of her comrades up in Boston were talking about things like the simultaneity of oppression. In other words, mm. that black women specifically are can never just be race women. They always have to be about um, addressing the issues of race and gender under the conditions of white racial supremacy and patriarchy. I mean, like, I, I, we can go back. And, you know, Google is a wonderful thing. It's so easy. If it's you so wanna easy know, these like, if days. You wanna, if you want right now um, to learn, like, the underpinnings of of of, of the way that Human beings are, are, are turned into things that are the targets of the police or targets of the state or targets of our own hands. Just read. Mm. Read Black Feminists. Black Feminism saved my life. Black Feminism became a faith for me. It was, 
I, I swear, like I, I don't know. You know, you know, there are some people who can name like, um, sort of like the black race man, like W. E. Du Bois, and it was black feminists. Mm. Um, the work of black feminists, particularly like black lesbian feminists, like Cheryl Clark and Audre Lorde and June Jordan, whose work helped me to be a better me in the world. Not just gave me a politic, right? But helped me to be a better me. So study and read black feminists. I'm telling you, they will save your life. That is now on my list. All of it. <laughs> I'm Listen, so, I'm gonna get a whole book list from you no, before like, you leave. <laughs> I'm, and I'm not just saying that. Like, yeah, legit. Okay. They get it. Boom. Study um, number three. Uh, number three, the, this is more in, in terms of how I'm understanding the world and it's sort of this new media new media technology age. It's so easy for us to become avatars. Mm. That is, to become mm. representative selves that are disconnected from our real, the persons that we really are. I've been trapped in that a lot of times. Yeah, right? I hear you. Um, it's so easy to get trapped in sort of the guise of brand, to become brands. Um, and I so part of what that is a result of is sort of neoliberal capitalism. That's fancy way of saying of really dehumanizing any of us and turning us into commodities, right. things to be sort of sold on a marketplace. Right. I don't want that. And like I, I've actually have a really strange relationship with social media because I'm in media. I have I use it, but now I'm like, I know how easy it can be for somebody to read me. Are any of us as a thing, as an object, as an avatar? And I know how easy it for easy easy it is for me to perform that sort of avatar esque uh, persona and get and lose myself in the process. In the don't illusion. lose ourselves, y'all. Like I don't want. I want the days when I didn't necessarily. I love how Instagram and this shit can connect us now, right? Like we get right. connected through this, but. We need more of this. Yeah. Don't let that stop us from sitting down and breaking bread with someone. Don't let it stop us from like, if the first thing we do when we wake up in the morning is, and I do this sometimes, is check my inbox or check who's liking my shit and not check in with myself to make sure I'm liking me. Listen. We, something wrong. That's what it's all about. You see what man. I'm saying? Yes, so like, yes. I want us to get rid of that. Yes. I, I want us to do better for ourselves and like, turn our phones off. Take your phone out the bed. Right. Move it into another room. Like, you know, I don't need to to document everything I'm doing in the world. So do some things in silence. Work in stealth and let your work not the, let your work speak for you, and not necessarily the brands that we make. Yeah, um, that's always not necessarily um, that's always not necessarily uh, an indication that any of us are doing anything to uh, of good in the world. Like just because I get a thousand followers a week. Or if we get 10 likes, don't necessarily mean I'm doing shit to make this world or my family or my community better. Right. Man, I mean, this is so real. I think especially so many of us on, on social media. And, and, the and social I like a media. good picture, by the way. No, look, we all do. You know, but I like there's, the, there's a this and. Yeah. And there's, I think, one thing that, you know, I've been really dealing with. And everybody knows that meditation is kind of my thing. And I always tell people when I'm talking, like, people are like, I don't have time to meditate in the morning. I'm like, you do a 10-minute Instagram meditation every morning. I guarantee <laughs> You do a 10-minute Instagram meditation or an email yeah. meditation, you know? So check in with yourself first because it is, even for me, even for all, it's easy to get lost in the illusion mm. that we've created of who we are yeah. for other people, you know? Like, this who is, are you? Who, who am I? For real. Like, I, I have to ask myself that sometimes. Like, who are you? Who are you? Yeah. Like, after someone can read a bio, right? Like, is the person that you are after that shit, after you log off, um, the person in the secret spaces of your life, is that the same person? Mm -hmm. Can people testify about the way you treated them? Like, 
when the cameras are off. Mm-hmm. That's and I want to be able to live that way. I want folks to say like you know the real the real Darnell, regardless of what you've seen. No, I know that mother. I'm sorry for cussing. Yeah, like, no, it's okay. This motherfucker <laughs> was like he had my back, right? And he didn't write a status about it, right? When I didn't have a place to lay my head, or when I needed to eat, or when I needed to, that call at three and three, I want to be able to be on a receiving end of someone when they need me. Um, and I, that's that's the shit you don't see on social media, right? Right? You would never get that, right? Um, and that's if I, when I'm going from this earth, I want somebody to be able to say, "Look, I don't care." He, that, that might be some fancy stuff in a bio, but you know what? What he lived that, mm. you know, and yeah. that's why I, tr- I, I really do try to work to to live the politics that I profess um, and that I struggle through. I don't always get it right, um, but I think if if I'm going to call myself someone who's interested in a type of black liberation for all black people, I damn sure need to live, live it. that. Or try your best try. to live it yeah. Yeah, and learn from what you don't, right? I mean, that's what we're all doing. So what do, you, what do you think is the biggest thing holding black people back from taking these steps that you're talking about? Because I know there's a lot of resistance to it all, you know what I mean? You and know, we deal with it too. I, I mean, like, I, I'll say this. Um, and this is not an insight for 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 revolution. It might be, but I often say within the context of these of the Ameri- the United States project. Let me start by giving Black people death. Black people are, in America are some of the most gracious in the same way that Native Americans are here, Indigenous folks to this land, um, and we are Indigenous folk too. Black folk are indigenous to lands that we were snatched from. Right. Are some of the most gracious people in the universe, in the world. Amen. You know why? Because this country is still standing. Right. Black folk have every right to burn this motherfucker to the ground. And I mean that with all sincerity. Any other, I mean, here we, we are in a country that touts itself, its reason for being, mm. off of the fact that it re- revolted against the state. Right. For foul treatment. Right. Right. And here we are, still standing. Yeah. The country, that is. And black folk, most black folks still have enough belief and love and grace and faith to believe that America can make good on its dictums. Yeah. That's some interesting. When I think about that sometimes, yes. I'm I mean, like, as you're talking about that, my whole system is like... You, I'm saying, <laughs> we still believe. Right. We still believe that they will somehow come around to say... That all men, women are created like we still, we still really believe, believe that these poetics, that these poetics are actually going to be applied. That is some love and grace that I have. I, that's some. That's some. So I want to just give dap to black folk, um, and that is also to say that we don't have to contain our rage. Such that it is the thing that activates us to harm one another. Mm. You understand? Like, mm. we Can you don't, say that exact line well, one more time? I forgot what I just said. We don't have to contain <laughs> our rage. I'll say it for you. We don't have to contain our rage such that it causes us to harm one another. Right. That's, like, I mean, that's deep. We have a right to be angry. Yeah. We have a right to express that anger. We have a right to, um, to lament and to mourn, and to call out, and to celebrate, and to activate joy, all that to say we have a right to be human. Um, So we know, we know the things that hold us back. I mean, we've always known the things that hold us back. Mm -hmm. I I mean, shit, like, 
white racial supremacy is a thing. It's actually real. These are not just words. And I don't care how many people get upset when they hear it. Can we just stop talking about race? No, we won't. Right. I mean, and it's not just racism alone, right? Like, it is a project, like Bell Hooks talks about white racial supremacist cap, like capitalist patriot, like all this shit goes together. These forces go together. They're real things. Um, all of that to say, when I, as, when I think about black folk, I really do want us, I, I would just love it for if we understood ourselves to be so human as to say, we can, we, we, first, I think we can create the conditions on our own terms and stop relying on the state because it was created not to ensure our, our livelihood, our well-being and our, and our safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to, you know, Robin Kelly talks about these freedom dreams. Where is it? We need to imagine what the world looks like. An abolitionist, this is a word we should introduce. Um, first person I heard say this was Ruthie Wilson Gilmore. You hear me naming things throughout this mm-hmm. because this goes back to the point about studying. Right. And Ruth Wilson, Ru- Ruthie Wilson Gilmore is a geographer, scholar, organizer who says that abolition isn't only about focusing on the things that don't work and the need to get rid of them. Abolitionism is about imagining what needs to be put in its place. Mm. So our work is taking time to not only say, ah, uh, police, just law enforcement just don't work, or, you know, X just doesn't work, prisons, do- all right, so in sans prisons, without law enforcement, what do we What do we need put there? What do we need? On our own terms, as a self-determined people, mm. to keep our community safe, um, if, if I'm on a block and I don't want police, but I know that brother down the street be beating his, um, beating the, the, his partner every day, what are we going to do to secure her life? to not dispose of him, to get him the type of help where he can undo those practices without mm. turning him over to the state that's already a monster that's ready to eat up his soul. Like, so how do we, we need space to dream and think about what we can do for each other and ourselves mm. um, to live the type of whole liberatory just lives that we deserve to fucking live. Do you hear this man preaching? My goodness. <laughs> this is amazing. This is so incredible. Darnell, I'm going to ask you one more question. Um, if you could, knowing everything you know now, with all the study that you've done, if you could look back at your younger self as you were becoming Darnell Moore now, what would you tell him? The first I would say, you fly as hell. Hey! That dark, <laughs> I would have said that dark skin I used to pick on you about, them, them full lips. That's just going to work for your benefit. Hey, listen. Okay. <laughs> That's, the you know what? That's the first thing. But the second, um, I would say, uh, I would go back and say to Darnell, you're going to surprise yourself by the many times you have decided to live. Even when you just knew it, you weren't going to live past. I didn't think I would live past 25. Mm. I, like, it was in my head. Like, I knew. When 25 came, I think when I turned 26, I was like, I sort of was waiting for something to happen bad. Um, when I got to 30, I was like, oh, I know something's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and here I am, I'm 41. Listen. And um, for someone who didn't see myself alive and who, who you know, could have been dead, either by somebody else's hands or my own, and tried, um, I would definitely tell myself, you will live. Mm. And you got to because that's work for you to do. And you ain't going nowhere until that work get done. Amen. Oh, my gosh. Darnell, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening and watching. 
And uh, for more, there's so many more interviews and so much more that you can learn. But first, Darnell, if people want to find you, where do they look you up? Um, that's a good question. So I live in Bed-Stuy and see me on the streets. I'll be walking around the streets. So in the real world, I'm in Bed-Stuy or Atlanta. But just Darnell Moore. It's like on Facebook and Twitter. Same thing. Darnell Moore. You can look him up. And for more videos and interviews, just go to motivationforblackpeople.com or look up Motivation for Black People on Instagram. And I will see you in the next video.